please don't put that in the podcast, please, because people are gonna get mad about it. I didn't. I didn't think it was like a serious movie. It just seemed really silly, and it has that like action freeze frame where it's like the dude with the gun, mm-hmm. the funny chick, like things like that, and um, where it's like they slow down, yes. you know, with like the title and the jokes were all. It was just. It seemed like it's a lot of one liners and yeah, yeah. I think it's it's real fun. It's I mean, much better than the previous one. Like, it's hard not to be. Right. And I think Gunn does, like, he has the right mentality for this type of movie. Yeah, the, the last one I'm is not, a movie. He I, does, like, the Guardian of the Galaxy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are good. I like those. We can talk more about those yeah. down the line, I think. Not my kind um, of movie. Yeah, see, if it's your promise of James Gunn, I think the Suicide Squad, I hear it's very, very much his, like, style, and he's just allowed to do whatever he wants with it, so I'm kind of worried about it, too, even though I like his other movies. I just, uh, sometimes... I'm the only person that I have heard that did not like it. Everyone else that I have seen, except for my best friend, but we have very similar mentalities. I've caught a few other, like, people online on Twitter and stuff, like, saying they didn't like it, people who I usually like their takes on stuff so i'm i'm kind of wary about it but i'm still excited to watch it i just have been stubborn and like i gotta watch it in theaters i'm not just gonna stream it so i just haven't had a chance to go yet it's definitely not the greatest and yeah i watched it on hbo but it's uh he does the characters really well they all feel lived in and real the actual action and plot and and story and everything is is fine it's nothing completely special guardians of galaxy volume two you know idris does a great job (laughs) Right. It, I mean, it, what it really shines at doing is showing these smaller villains and giving them, you know, some sort of a pedestal to show, like, oh, you know, they they are characters as well, and, like, they have motivations and, like, things that drive them. Not to get too, like, in-deep on, like, comics and things, but the what little I have read a Suicide Squad, that's always the appeal of that, like, of that book and that series, is that it's really highlighting these obscure smart characters that people don't always associate with like um you know being bad villains or just like cheap stupid ideas for like a villain of the week but then they that series allows it to like flesh them out and give them more character and more depth so um it's it's good that he manages to do that at least that's all i'm kind of looking for from a suicide squad movie i think i had a the same thing as when i watched cats is because when I saw Cats, I had, I didn't know anything about Cats the musical, really. I knew it was about Cats, yeah. but I didn't know that it was, like, really dumb to begin with. And then, <laughs> like, I just, I was watching this movie, and I'd had, like, the biggest edible I'd ever eaten in my life. So it was way, 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 way too high to be watching this at the time. But I was so confused. And, I don't know, it was like a, uh, I had like a spiritual awakening because I was so upset the entire time I was watching this. I was so confused. And <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give any spoilers. Spoilers for cats. I think everyone should watch it. <laughs> but it was it was just one of the best and worst times I've ever had watching a movie. I was just so confused by it because I didn't know the source material at all or what it was right. supposed to be doing. And so I was like, is this real? And that's, I think, what the same kind of thing that I was... Yeah, I think I think when when any movie is is so stylized like that, like it can be jarring if you're not expecting it, you know. I'm pretty sure Andrew Lloyd Webber was like hoping people would have existential crises. Yeah, people really like that musical for some reason. I think they handed out edibles in in the theater as people took their seats. (laughs) You know, they should have. I think they had to. Uh, 
on New York in the 90s, 80s? Well, I don't know. Mid-80s, I don't know when that came out. Late 70s? But because we're not a podcast about Broadway musical or musical adaptations, no. We are a podcast called The Weekly Podcast Massacre that talks about Cats. massacres, monthly massacres, weekly. Uh, I am your dreadful host for the evening. My name is Michael Murphy from Portland, Oregon, and with me today is... Uh, I'm Greg from Hollywood. I'm Kale. Let's talk about worms or whatever this was. <laughs> Deep in the worm tunnels, yeah. And yes, this is this is my pick for the last of Assimilation August. We made it, guys. We got through Yay. all of them. And we are on today's pick from 2006, Slither, uh, directed, directorial debut huh? by James Gunn, uh, written by James Gunn as well. Not the first thing he wrote, because I think before this he wrote Scooby-Doo, right? <laughs> no, he wrote a, quite a few movies before this. I believe he wrote the Dawn of the Dead oh, that's remake. right, that's right. I think that's what got him the actual job for I totally us. forgot he wrote that. That always slips on my mind. And before he he was uh, a big-time writer, he worked with Troma. Right. And directed a bunch of little shorts and things. Yeah. So he did have a long road leading up to his first movie, Slither. And I think that's that goes a long way in how good this movie is and how, well, how good I think it is, at least. Um, just to say off the top, uh, off the bat, you know? Because uh, you're right, he had a lot of experience coming from Troma and then working in movies before and doing all these things. Like, man, I. And then you watch this and it, it feels. It doesn't feel like a debut movie. I feel like a lot of confidence in this already. Right. He definitely had a voice that he was he was trying to. to not necessarily fine, but to, to speak fluently right. with, you could say. Yeah. I think, too, it's also interesting to have so many recognizable actors in your debut movie, you know? And it's not like. I guess it was still pretty early in, like, Elizabeth Banks's career. Oh, she'd been around for a while, actually, then I think about it. But, like, uh, you know, having, like, Michael Rooker, like, who had already had a long career before that, like, it's just cool that he was able to work with so many good people right off the bat. And like, a decent budget, too. Like, this movie looks and like, is, is put together, like, really well. Yeah, and just, like, you know, uh, briefly, like, uh, Jenna Fisher is in it. That's his wife And this is, like, the height oh. of, yeah, his wife. The height pretty much, of the office fame. I had no idea they were ever married, really? They were married from 2000 and divorced in 2008. Damn. Apparently she wasn't um, supposed to be in this movie originally. Um, somebody dropped out for some reason out of some story, but that person wasn't in the movie anymore. And so I guess from what I read is that Jenna Fisher really likes zombie stuff, so... Oh, that's cool. Hey, I didn't know that. We should we should have her on. We should have <laughs> we should have her on the podcast. Let's re- reach out to the office yeah. ladies. Yeah, come on, that's Jenna. That's realistic. Yep. <laughs> Be the twenty twenty one podcast. What do you call it when you crossover? come together? Event of the season. Yeah, crossover event of the season. Come on, Jenna. Come on. Yeah, I I guess I can uh, get into the plot a little bit. So I feel like with most of the other movies we've done this month, there is a very simple thread that we can cover plot-wise, and then there is the more intricate character beat-by-beat plot 
that is much more uh, involved and like is just is much more convoluted. Yeah, necessarily. absolutely. I mean, you said it earlier with uh, Suicide Squad, but there's a lot, there's a lot of character to these people and to this movie in general. Yes, and then some of them, it's like you'll kind of set up a character. And then, like, oh, they get assimilated, and, like, okay, they're not really important anymore yeah. or anything. <laughs> they kind of become disposable a little bit. Exactly. So there is a malevolent, sentient, extraterrestrial parasite, I'm taking this right from Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, that lands in, like, that was just the first four lines. Might as well steal it. Yeah. It was perfect. Beautiful, succinct. Uh, in the town, it lands in the town of Wheelsy, South Carolina. Wheelsy. Where they are about to go... Wheelsy. Yeah, it's a great town name. And they are about to go through... Uh, like, deer season is starting, it seems. And this is, like, the big to-do in town. And the alien lands and it infects the primarily wealthy resident... I didn't. I didn't really get what he did. They, they never explain it. It just seems like he comes from money. Yeah. He just he had they yeah they say he had a Cadillac and picked up Elizabeth Banks. But yeah. his name is Grant Grant. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, we just have to say. I just want to shout out that that is one of my favorite character names of any fictional character ever. I love it, Grant Grant. It's insane. I don't. I have no idea. But so he is married to Elizabeth Banks, whose name's Starla. And then the other, like, third main character of the movie is Nathan Fillion. Is it Fillion? Fillion, I believe, yeah. Fillion? Fillion. Like, million, but Fillion. Okay. Uh, As Bill Party, who is the uh, recent chief of police in the small town. So the alien lands after uh, Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker have a fight about sleeping with each other and Rooker goes out to a bar meets another lady named Brenda who's also very and young and they go out into yeah. the yeah she's super young they go out into the woods to mess around and he's like no I can't do this I have a wife and he's going to go home and then they see the weird alien pod thing that then shoots him in the chest with a little needle and he is assimilated yeah, it's automatically he's assimilated. And so he starts uh, transforming. And at that point, he goes and kidnaps Brenda. Stocks up on meat. Basically impregnates her. Yeah, with um, a bunch of the slither little parasites, the, the titular slithers. She's the one I feel the worst for. Because she seems... Very, I feel the worst for her because she yeah. seems very aware of what is happening to her. Yeah, that's. We'll, we'll talk about that scene later. I think, or do we want to stop it? But we can. We'll talk about it later, right? Because I have a lot to say about that scene. <laughs> I think. I think we can come to it later. I think again, we can. We can cover the plot really quickly and then move on to the the nitty gritty. Let's do it. Uh, so he, yeah, he impregnates her and she starts ballooning like Violet Beauregard in Willy Wonka. Like, she becomes a giant blueberry and pops, and then, yeah, the, it starts, all of the parasites go and start jumping into people's mouths, and then transforming them into zombie-like-ish creatures, it seems, that are part of the hive mind. There we go, another hive mind, and this is a true hive mind this time. 
Yeah, this is more like Unity from the Rick and Morty episode. Yeah, exactly. Autoerotic assimilation. <laughs> yeah, w- when they, uh, they they will speak, and they will speak to Elizabeth Banks as if they are Michael Rooker. Right. And it is, it's the Michael Rooker alien. Because it seems like the alien basically merges with him, and he is now the alien creature. Yeah, they have an effect on each other, yeah. Um, according to Gunn, he said that... Uh, Grant Grant was dead. I'm glad he spoke about this directly, actually, because, I, yeah, I had a lot of um, thoughts about this. Grant too. died as soon as he was infected, but the resulting entity retained much of his personality, including his genuine love for Starla. There you go. Yeah, that's that's what it seemed to be, is that he pretty much, like, latches on to Starla and doesn't want to impregnate her, uh, and then that's why he goes to Brenda. So that's happening. Everyone's getting infected. There is a young girl. What was her name? Kylie Strudemeyer. One of the parasites jumps into her mouth and she like grabs it before it can get in and has basically like a telepathic bonding session where she understands the motives of the parasites now. Yeah, a little bit so of mind melting. It's now those main three characters, Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, and then this new young girl, and then the mayor, uh, who was also great, but played by Craig Henry. Yeah, and I think he's in a few, he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies too, so Gunn likes to, you know. Craig with three G's. Yes, Craig with three G's, yeah, yeah, different, yeah, a, a false Greg, in my opinion, but yeah. <laughs> so at this point, they are deciding, like, oh, if we kill uh, Grant's main hive mind, that it should kill all the other ones, so we're going to go. There is a Chekhov's uh, hand grenade that comes <laughs> into play, uh, and that doesn't do anything whatsoever. Yeah, what do you call that lamp shading? When you, like, when you kind of set it up and then, like, make fun of it? Like, it's going to happen and then ends up not working whatsoever. Yep. Right, so what they end up doing is taking a, uh, was it like a propane tank and feeds propane into it by one of its breeding little tentacles. Uh, And then it was filled with flammable gas and Elizabeth Banks shoots it and it blows up. Yep, classic Jaws ending. All of the zombie, yeah, all the zombie, it basically was. All the zombie people die, and then they walk out of uh, town while the camera just stays on them like they're paddling yeah. in the ocean. And there's just like Greg, I think you really all of these this. dead bodies in their yard. Think of the enormous <laughs> cleanup efforts that are going to have to take place. Like my I thought first thought, I looked at that and I thought about Jonestown, how like Jim Jones had all of this money from all of his people, you know, like giving all this money to the People's Temple. And all of that money went to cleaning up Jonestown afterward, like millions and millions of dollars. Jesus. I don't know why my mind went there immediately, but that's what I thought of. How much is going to cost to clean up all those bodies and then take care of them? Yeah, and then in the end of the movie, there is a post credit scene. I don't know if you guys watch this, but there is the burnt remains of Greg's alien corpse that a little kitty cat comes up to and starts licking and then it cuts to black you hear the cat meow and things are gonna keep happening i must have walked out of the room or something because i think i remember hearing the cat meow but i didn't really like 
think about it. I was more just like distracted by doing whatever I was doing. But I totally missed that. <laughs> At least they know now how they can stop the shunting or whatever the hell that was. At oh. the end. That was obviously like a nod to society. It had right? to be. I got so excited for you, Kill. <laughs> and for myself too. I love society. I know. Society, it's one of my favorite but, yeah. um, I, As soon as I saw, I wrote shunting in all caps in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. I was like, this is very obviously. Um, no, but it would, I, I wouldn't doubt it because there's a few other references to other horror movies and other assimilation there's movies too. Yeah. Um, well, Gunn is, is into that very, very fucked up type of stuff. So it, it would make sense that like, oh yeah, this is a society homage. Right. He shouts out Hennenlauter too, Frank Hennenlauter, who directed like Basket Case and Frankenhooker and, and Brain Damage. And um, feels very in line with Gunn's style of, like, uh, making movies sometimes about really disgusting people and things, but adding, like, genuine emotion and character to it. Because this reminded me of Basket Case in that way, where you could easily just have a cheesy monster movie, and it has all the tropes of, like, cheesy monster movies, and it has good gore effects, and I would be totally happy with this movie if it was just mindless, like, you know, slug zombie action stuff. The fact that it also tells like a like a emotionally like a pretty emotionally moving story uh, is really impressive to me, and Basket Case does that too. Right. And the big thing, like we didn't really get into, is that Nathan Fillion is in love with Elizabeth Banks. That they were, it seemed like uh, high school sweethearts, maybe unrequited love. They didn't really nail that down. There's something going on. There's Grant a Grant. In there. <laughs> It, like, they talked about it, Grant Grant shows up in his Cadillac, you know, is going to pay for her education. Of course she's going to hop onto it. And, yeah. you know, he's a much older man. He's very controlling. It, uh, but, yeah, so, so he is giving, like, big puppy dog eyes to her the whole time. Yeah. That's kind of the thing of, like, she's continuously in danger and he's trying to save her. Yeah. I was reading some things, like, I have a whole, my list, my, my writing, whatever, my notes for this. There's one section that's a list of all the nods or references to other movies. Three things that are, like, facts about the movie, and then the rest are just things that I thought were funny. Which is also another page, <laughs> in and of itself. But I feel like, um, Nathan Fillion is actually really funny. From all these quotes that I was reading, like, him and James Gunn seem to kind of, like, have this antagonistic, like, humorous kind of bond, I guess. Yeah. But Michael Rooker accidentally broke his glasses off camera while he was doing kung fu kicks by himself. This is one of the IMDb facts, which cracked me up just thinking about he was that that guy that's, like, in the corner pretending he knows how to do kung fu. Oh, and yeah. And injures himself. Yeah. I, can we, like, segue real quick and talk about Michael Rooker? Because I absolutely love Michael Rooker. He's, like, yes. maybe one of my top ten actors ever. He's incredible. He's so good. He's great. He is so creepy in this movie. Yeah. I think it's the the bald Michael Rooker yes. is always really creepy. And it's always then way the more glasses. Mm -hmm. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is one of the few movies that terrified me. Yeah, same here. Um, and he, he has a lot of Henry vibes in this when during the attack scenes. like They're really intense and fucking freaky because Michael Rooker is so... like He's in that Henry mode where he's just like a mindless killing machine or assimilating machine whatever so savage about it same thing they all end up dead anyway yeah <laughs> uh 
but he's great. I love him. He's a great, he's a fantastic comedic actor. And he brings that into this role too, a little bit. He's just kind of naturally like a very fascinating person to watch. He's really good in Mallrats. Mallrats is, yeah, he's, he's the best part of Mallrats by far. <laughs> he's, he's great in Mallrats. And then like Kill mentioned, like he's just the guy in the corner doing Kung Fu kicks. Like if you follow him on social media, like this is the type of guy he is. He's, he's just in his Dahmer glasses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just like a weird, silly dude who just is like this phenomenally like transformative actor. And he's creepy in this, but the most important part to me is that he's also like really lonely. He's got these moments of like sadness before he gets assimilated where he is this controlling dickhead. But when he's drinking by himself at the bar, he looks so fucking like depressed. Like you could tell that he's really. He seems very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then that moment right before he gets assimilated where he decides, I can't do this. Like I love starlet too much like it really got to me like there's there's more to this guy than what is set up about him like you, he's set up as this controlling asshole has been this like romantic rival for like nathan fillion to conquer but it's not it doesn't really go that way you know at least not in the way most movies do it yeah he to me is the is the best part of this movie i love michael rooker and he works really well with james gunn and again he comes back for suicide the, the suicide squad the suicide squad and both guardians movies and he's great in those yeah so the way you're saying the suicide squad is making me think that the other one that you were talking about was just suicide squad is that what i'm getting yeah isn't it so wonderful how we title movies these days it's not confusing or complicated or convoluted at all not even gonna give us a colon right or like some kind of fucking subtitle dawn of justice bullshit Suicide Squad colon Adventures in Space. Was that movie in space? I don't know. I didn't make it that far. <laughs> I don't think so. Do they go to space in that? No, they go to some fictional South American country. Like, it was. It's fun. It's fun. I like it. So I'll, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to think of any of the the bigger things that we might have missed plot wise. So uh, when. Grant Grant goes to, uh, need, he needs to impregnate someone, and he's so in love with Elizabeth Banks' character, and he doesn't want to do that. So he's like, oh, I got it. I'll go to, back to Brenda. And he goes to Brenda, who has a baby with her, and then is like, oh yeah, but I still want some, so let me just put this baby away, and gives it a tomato. Oh my god, how long did this take place? Because if she didn't have a like a partner or any help with that kid, that baby probably died. Um before alone. Before she pops like into a into a thousand slugs, uh she does ask like how's my boy and Bill tells her like, your boy's fine, but also we never see what happens to the kid. It's very possible Grant Grant. And how the hell does he know? He's well, he's been not checking up or taking phone calls about this kid. My guess is that Grant ate it. That's that's my thought, but um, that's what I assumed anyway. But we never see it. We don't know what happens. Maybe that's a lead into Son of Slither. You know, years later, who knows? Oh my god! After Guardians Three, he's gonna need a project. So I gotta, I gotta get gun on the phone right now. I just I just cracked it. <laughs> uh, he goes he goes to Brenda and he impregnates her instead. Uh, are you leading up to the the barn scene? Are we gonna, <laughs> we're going next. Well, th- yeah, there's a lot to it about that. Like, I-, I mainly wanted to get to the point about she gives her baby a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> non. <laughs> baby 
these like tomatoes don't to distract it like while mommy gets some here's a here's a whole tomato that barn is on a property owned by buddhist monks who love the matrix that was one of the facts that i really liked great (laughs) one of the imdb movie trivia facts wow that these buddhist monks like the matrix good taste in movies um, so we didn't really, uh, get to, so there was a point where, yeah, Grant's obviously infected. He's running around, he's starting to mutate and they do a really a bunch weird, of farm animals. Uh, hard cut to three days later. Yeah. And so, and then we're like, oh, well, there's been all these like cow or dog mutilations that we're finding. And there's some real detective work of like, well, it's happened in these three properties in a row. Let's go to the fourth one tonight, yeah. and you know we'll try to find them. And then that's when we see uh, Rooker in the like first real alien presentation, where he's all like tentacles and a giant half smile. Yeah, before he's just been kind of like he had like a rash thing on his chest, then it's like a kind of a big, almost like vaginal hole, and then um. That was like boils. Yeah, it's like boils stuff. Did not but, uh, look good. But one of my favorite jokes in the movie is when he first kind of comes home after uh, he starts to like transform, and like Elizabeth Banks sees him in the window and he's all like bulgy, and Michael Rooker is like, "I just, I got, it's just a bee sting," and the way he says it is so <laughs> funny. <laughs> but yeah, you first see him when he's when he's out in the field there, and it's it's really intense. It's so horror. glorious. Yeah. And then there's some guy that, like, tries to confront him, and he just, like, whips his tentacle real quick, and the guy splits, like, a hot dog bun. It's not all the way through. Like, there's a little bit left, but he just kind of opens up and then collapses. It was... The the guts kind of dropping out onto the ground reminds me of in Dawn of the Dead, when that zombie sits... Or Day of the Dead, when the zombie sits up and all the guts come out. Um... I, I think and though, it just falls out. It's, I, am I correct in, in saying there's there's kind of a lot of not a lot, but there's like a decent amount of like CG bloodshed in this. I kind of found a little distracting, um, and the CG in general, whenever they have to kind of use it, is a little, you know, I think beyond their budget. <laughs> I actually thought it was really good for the time. There's a great mix, but um, um, yeah, all all of it looked fine. All of the the little slugs I thought were fantastic. Those were yeah, they were gross. Like the, the, yeah, those the were presentation good. and everything. I feel like with CG, it's best if you're animating like tube-shaped things, like snakes or slugs. Like yeah. those are kind of easier to to render. I think. You guys, I I missed a um I missed a fact about Brenda's house and her baby. Oh, okay. You guys want to hear it? Definitely. <laughs> uh, the scene with Grant visiting Brenda and her baby was filmed in a house in British Columbia that smelled of cat piss and other odors. <laughs> Gunn recalls being stuck in there, gagging, while the rest of the crew were thankful to be outside. And then Nathan Fillion added, I guess this is part of an interview, and Nathan Fillion was like, but still thank you very much to the family for letting us use your house. Amazing. I liked that. <laughs> It's the little touches like that that make this movie. You can sense that when you're watching it. You can sense that the house smells like cat piss. Uh, one of one of the best scenes is when the slug tries to get into the teenager Kylie, and when she's taking a bath, and it comes in like there's so much suspense throughout that whole thing. It's very frightening. Yes, and then it it tries to get into her mouth. We have the whole telepathic. Uh, mind meld 
she grabs it, she, she yanks it off, she throws it against the wall, and then it it's hurt, and as it's trying to come back, like, to her, you can tell it's kind of a limping crawl. Right. Like, I felt bad for the slug. That was Shivers, right? I was going to say, I was going to say that that has to be, that's 100% a Shivers reference. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> scene from Shivers, famously, that we talked about last week. Sorry, Murph, if you're going to bleep that again. <laughs> he has to edit it again. I couldn't resist. I had, I wrote it in my notes again too. Oh, Brenda was also watching the Toxic Avenger. Oh, Toxic Avenger. Since back to Brenda again. Yes, I that's bring another it thing I wanted Brenda's to mention. House. She's watching Toxic Avenger, and then a little bit later in the police station, uh, Unky Lloyd is there as like a homeless person. He's listed as sad drunk. <laughs> yeah, like he. He's like he's been on a twelve day bender. Basically. If you look at Lloyd Kaufman's IMDb page, he ha- currently has thirty one things that are either post production filming or pre production. That guy is thirty one things. Man, I'm not the biggest fan of like actual trauma movies, but I love like the work ethic and like just Lloyd's attitude about stuff is really cool. So I was happy to see him in this. I am actually a big trauma fan, so I'm always, uh, I always love to see him and like to support Gunn. I always thought that was one of the things, you know, we can get into a little bit when he got fired from Disney. It was yeah. just like, what did you guys expect? Like, did you not. Like from trauma? No, yeah. he came from trauma. Did you not see Slither? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad he, I'm glad he, he got hired back and I'm glad he was able to branch out and do another type of comic book movie but i am super interested to see what he will do next i know oh because i I thought i had that thought watching slither because i i really enjoyed this so much and um you know for the most part this isn't like an original thing it's pulling from a lot of other movies but it is like its own story and has its own like uh identity to it and i was just like thinking about it it's kind of sucks a little bit that he's been stuck in the superhero genre for so long even if i like the movies he's making those i, I really like guardians of galaxy volume 2 for the same reason i like this movie where it's like you can just give us you could have just given us a basic stupid sci-fi adventure but instead i have feelings for this dumb fucking talking raccoon and what he's like going through you know um he always managed to surprise me with how much he like uh cares about his characters so I, I, I'm really interested too in what he does next, and I hope it's not superhero related. Like, yeah, I would love a, a going back to some kind of horror comedy. Absolutely. They're remaking Toxic Avenger. Why can't he be the director for that? Perfect. There you go. Yeah, slam dunk choice right there. Did you guys notice that the, the school that Starla teaches at is called um, Earl Bassett Community College and that their, their mascot or whatever is a cooter? I wrote that down. The, the Cooters. Cooters. Yeah. That's literally the first note I made. I had to look it up. I was like, what the fuck is a Cooter? And it is a North American river turtle of some sort. Oh. Cool. Okay, oh, It sounded gross to me when I read it, but now that I know it's a turtle, it's kind of cute. <laughs> I like that. Um, I did notice that. The other things... Uh, there's like an R.J. McCready's hardware store or something, and R.J. McCready is Kurt Russell's character from The Thing, which is a nice little shout-out to him. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn himself had a cameo outside of the school, I think. He's one of the teachers that uh, I think Elizabeth Bank is talking to, or maybe Grant Grant talks to him. But um, yeah, yeah, and then Rooker just like grabs her yes. and pulls her away. So there's also the part when uh, Kaylee 
Yeah, that's her name. Uh, or Kylie. She doesn't get assimilated, but her whole family does. Her mom, dad, and yeah. then two little girls who were reading Goosebumps, which I, I really love because I used to read a lot of Goosebumps growing up. Oh, yeah. Actually, going back to like our first podcast, that's probably my biggest like first step into the horror genre was reading Goosebumps as a child. I, uh, my my cowardice from horror extended to goosebumps. Like I, I didn't like looking at the covers of them because they scared me. Uh, but I did read a few when I was pretty young. Um, so yeah, they were they were good. For, they were big for me too. So that's a good that's a good catch. I didn't think about that. I yeah, that was that was probably like the primary reading when I yeah. was like five to eight or something like I that. I liked goosebumps so. too. I have a very specific memory of um, at the daycare center I went to. Some of the older kids put on. Uh, the werewolf of fever swamp like the tv movie and i was so i i hid i just hid under a blanket the entire time and i was just terrified at the sounds of it uh and that turned me off of horror for many years <laughs> uh but as yeah so they all get uh you know slugs in the mouth and then they are trying to convince kylie that they are fine and that they should uh she should come out of the car that she locked herself in. And I think it's just hilarious that they, they're doing this kind of like zombie shuffle to try to yeah. act like they are real people. And it's like, obviously no. And then they start shooting acid and you're like, well, I, okay, you're not human anymore. I had seen this before, but I had totally forgot about the acid part. And it really caught me off guard when her face starts like melting. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Like I, I had no memory of that. It like in war. It doesn't start melting. It like swells. Right. It gets like bulbous and ugh. Yeah. Uh, the special effects in general are pretty great in this one. They're practical. Yes. Yes. And this uh, gets right about to the point where my uh, only quote that I wrote down uh, by the mayor uh, shits is about as far from God as shit can get. <laughs> I just love that one. Okay, if we're talking quotes. I I wrote down a, a few. Let's see. I wrote down that it's just the bee sting, but we talked about that. Oh, um, there's a part where they say it's like, uh, there was one line that kind of bothered me, and, and it felt very like mid-2000s sort of writing where you, you kind of just insert profanity where it doesn't really make sense. It's like, so they're talking about finding Grant like in the fields, and one of the, I think it's Wally, like the deputy, says it's like finding a needle in a fuck stack. And it, and it just feels like you're just trying to insert the word fuck <laughs> wherever you can, even if it doesn't make any sense. So that was like kind of annoyed me, but like, you know, whatever. The, most of the script is really good and funny. Um, it looks like something that I fell liked, off my dick um, the during the said, war. <laughs> something that someone yeah, said. that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I like when the dude says, I don't care what kind of leprosy you got. Yeah, that's good. Oh, they, they joke about it being Lyme disease earlier, too. It gets like, uh, you touch some deer feces, yeah. you eat a sandwich, and boom, you got Lyme disease. <laughs> uh, I did write, I, I found out, I did write one more down. Uh, towards the very end when Grant Grant has, you know, is starting to be like society and there's like five people sticking out of him. He said, yeah. oh, and that's another thing. When he's talking and there's other people like attached, they're all speaking in unison. So it's a very yes. creepy <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. effect I like when that. you hear it. That was funny. And uh, Elizabeth Banks comes down and sees him like that. And so he says it in unison with all these other people. You said for better or for worse. Yeah, it's a it's a great funny and kind of like tragic uh, line. Yeah. Um, I just saw something I wanted to bring up. Oh oh oh. Uh, just just talking about the rest of the cast real quick. 
the, some of the side characters. You guys catch in the uh, in the credits that I didn't catch the character's name, but one of the young cops, one of the young deputies who gets assimilated um, after the Brenda scene, his name is Haig Sutherland. And I got curious. I did see that, yes. I looked into it. I can't find anything that says he's related to Kiefer or uh, our good friend Donald from the past few uh, assimilation movies we did, the first two of, of this month. But he's another Canadian actor, which I first of all didn't even know that Donald Sutherland was Canadian until I looked into this. Um, but he's also from Canada, and if you look at their faces, there's a resemblance. I think he might be a Sutherland cousin or something. Um, I, I but I think he might be in the family. Weirdly, <laughs> this this movie was made in Canada, I guess. And there's another one of the quotes from Gunn when he, you know, with the the little banter that him and Nate Fillion have, and he says um, most of the people in the movies, the movie, um, are Canadian because that's how Canada does it or something like that. If you make a movie in Canada, you have to have a certain amount of Canadians in it, I guess. And so he said either you get, you're in the movie because you're Canadian or you have to be a really, really good or well-known American actor to be in it. Yeah. And so he said that Nathan Fillion got in the movie because he's Canadian. <laughs> Not because he's good, good or well-known. I also didn't know he was Canadian. Wow. They're everywhere. I think Canadians are I didn't hard. know that either. Maybe you become Canadian it's like being assimilated. You know? You're not born Canadian you just get assimilated into being Canadian later. Because it seems like everyone is suddenly Canadian these days. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen your passport recently, Greg. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm an LA guy through and through. Just don't you got to trust me on it. Don't look at my passport or uh, you know check my. Or are you syrup. in Vancouver, <laughs> the LA of Canada? I have no idea what you're talking about. Does uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? We should uh, rate this and. You yeah, know, give some final I have something thoughts else. Before. What do we want to... Go ahead. James Gunn found it necessary to explain to the crew what bukkake means, as no one seemed to get the reference. Yep, that seems like a James Gunn... That's a good director. Thing. You know what I mean? You're bringing his crew up to speed. Explaining all Let's of all the gather around the monitor, and let me show you my favorite bukkake example. The one thing I wanted to say is that I think it's a really good running theme to this movie of, like, Predator and Prey. Uh, you talked about earlier that have that deer thing going on, and I really like how that's cross-cut with yes. him impregnating Brenda for the first time. Because it's like, okay, so we here are us, and we're hunting for just pure sport, but this parasite has to do this to survive and live. But then it becomes more about a selfish thing for the parasite as it like realizes it loves uh, Starla. I just thought that was a really cool... And then there's a scene too where someone's watching like Animal Planet and like a crocodile's like eating like some other big piece of... You know, that's one thing I don't think we've really gotten into this month that I... You know, maybe we should take a, a second here before we rate sure. Slither to talk about. Is is the is the alien like really a bad guy? Because I think they get into it a little bit about it like... The, the slug, all these parasites, everything that we are encountering is only following its own nature. It is only yeah. doing what it knows how to do and how to be. So, like, the space amoeba didn't ask to come to our planet, and they're just doing what they do naturally. I mean, yeah. same with the puppet masters. The, the, you know, the shivers parasite was engineered. It's sort of the, yeah. But, like, it's this idea of, it, it doesn't necessarily have any other choice in order to live and be itself. You could say that about anything, though. Even Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. 
That's true. Michael Rooker Henry, yeah. he's just doing what's natural to him. <laughs> yeah, Murph. <laughs> so you're defending uh, Henry Lee Lucas and his violent, horrible crimes now? Are you defending parasites? <laughs> yeah, you got on my ass earlier for feeling bad for parasites. But uh, that is my that's my other favorite thing about this movie is that the 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 uh, compared to the other ones of this month, the assimilator, the parasite, is the main character of this movie. Grant Grant is the main character. Um, he's not. I want to say that he's the protagonist, right? I mean, he's clearly not, but he's the one with like the biggest emotional journey. Um, even if he's dead, I guess. And but so even then, even more so, the parasite is the main character. And it's about it learning what love is and what loneliness is and the kind of examining itself and having a crisis about it. I think that's what, that's what happens over the course of this movie is that it, it falls in love. And it's like, what have, what have I been doing this whole time? Because it can't impregnate Starla. It doesn't want to hurt the one it loves, right? Yeah, and then it made me think back on the other movies, like you said, about the Puppet Masters and about um, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers and and uh, not so much the Shivers ones. But um, it made me think about them as characters and like they are just following their nature. What else is it supposed to do? And kind of like in Shivers, where it's like it's it's literally just revealing another aspect of ourselves, the humanity and what our nature is. Like it's totally in our nature to like do what the Shivers people do it's just that we need the little like push from you know what i mean from the parasite uh it just ramps it up yeah right exactly um so i i love this as an assimilation movie and i think that'll lead us really nicely into like our reviews and of course it's the end of the month so it's going to lead us nicely into the masses too we can talk more about yes the masses once we rate this movie and what are we gonna rate it out of we have a lot of good options for this one scooters scooters <laughs> Perfect cooters out of cooters. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was kind of yelled at. Oh, dude. You really want to just settle on what? <laughs> I like cooters. They're just river turtles, Murph. Just river turtles. All right, well. I feel like I keep I keep getting bullied in the ones that I host. I'm like, no, no, this is what we're going to. This is what we're going to rate it out of. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I you guess can that's do what we're doing. We're doing cooters. Uh, no, cooter, cooters is fine. So I'm, I'm the host and I will start. I think this is a wonderful little film. It has a lot of compelling characters that are played by great actors. We didn't really get into it as much, but like Fillion, Rooker, Elizabeth Banks all do phenomenal jobs. Everybody else in the supporting cast is, is doing a really good job, but they, they, um, they really sell what they're giving. So uh, I actually did like all the effects. There's quite a few digital ones that I think still are quite good. Um, the practical ones, obviously, so much better, especially the Rooker uh, makeup that they, they put them in. And it's, I mean, it had to be excruciatingly monotonous to, to sit in that chair for, like, I had to be like eight to twelve hours to do some of the the more in depth ones, and it's like it's worth it when you see it on the screen. It is worth it. Can you sleep if you're having makeup like that applied to you? I think they encourage like, it if it's sitting, possible. Yeah, I was gonna say eight to twelve hours of getting makeup done and then ha- acting. Right, but there's got to be a lot of times where you can't sleep because you have to be in certain positions, right, for them to apply it to different parts of your body. So it it, it sounds horrific. At least somewhat conscious, but you can probably, like, turn off your brain, like, disassociate, basically. And then it's, for the most part, I don't think you can, a lot of them, you can just rip it off and go, like, you need 
45 minutes to take a bunch of shit off and all that kind of stuff. I would stuff, not be so. able to do that. The Whoever the makeup people are would be like, this bitch cannot sit still. <laughs> and they would quit. Um, I, I think there are a few uh, problems with, with pacing. I really didn't like that three days later jump cut that they did. It just feels out of nowhere almost. There, uh, yeah, again, I, I didn't, we didn't mention him a lot, but the 3G Greg Mayer is, is fantastic. He has a, his introduction scene where he, he starts cursing off someone in the middle of the road and then turns and sees a little mother and daughter just kind of waves to him. It's just, it's fantastic. I would wave against, yeah. Uh, I, I would give this movie four out of five cooters. Good score. Good score. Okay, um, who's up next? I think Greg with two G should go. <laughs> All right, let's do it then. Okay, um, so I had seen this before. I was a big fan of it then, and I think I just enjoyed it that time. It's like a fun monster movie, and that's kind of how I remembered it. I also remembered more of Nathan Fillion being the lead, but I was surprised to rewatch it and find that there's a lot of like emotional and like character work in this that I really, really responded to and thought was really interesting. Um and it was a nice little like homage to older, schlockier movies, but still managing to tell like its own story and like actually give us characters that seem to have, you know, some depth to them. Um, I also I, I'm a massive Michael Rooker fan, so I always love watching anything he's in. I'm also a big fan of Elizabeth Banks, and yeah, we didn't talk about her much, unfortunately, but she's really good in this. And uh, that scene she has with Michael Rooker, where they are uh, they like make love right after he's been assimilated. And it's kind of the moment, I think, where the parasite falls in love with her. Um, she's great in that scene where she's, like, being vulnerable and, like, you know, seductive at the same time. It's it's really good stuff. She's she's fantastic. And then her final speech to him is really touching where she talks about how lonely the parasite must be. And this is why the parasite is, like, assimilating things and absorbing things because it's the loneliest thing in the universe. That really got to me. Um, so I think with a movie like this where it's, like, a great story, great characters with good performances, some really good effects. And I, I would say the digital effects maybe it just bumped me because I just noticed them, not just because they were bad, but they just stood out compared to the practical stuff. Um, but I'm going to go really high on this one and say 4.5. I think it's, it's James Gunn's best movie that I've seen um, still. And wow. yeah, uh, I, I, I really, really love this rewatch. Um, I agree with you on the pacing too. That whole three days thing, that section of the movie kind of drags everything to a full stop because it's been such a roller coaster ride up to, I you know, really quickly paced up to then. So yeah, 4.5 cooters. I didn't say it, 4.5 cooters. I'm sorry. I enjoyed this movie as well. It was a nice, um, yeah, it was fun. I liked that it, all the references and stuff that was fun to watch for once I, once I realized that was happening, kept my eyes peeled. Um, yeah, it was, it was really gross at times. Everybody was great. I always like Elizabeth Banks. She's great. She's so classy. Uh, yeah, everybody was good. I liked it. I would give it four cooters. Very nice. Awesome scores for Slither. It's good that we get one that we all kind of liked after uh, Shivers last week, I think, uh, rattled us a little bit. We needed something. And it's funny that, like, both, like, out of the four movies, we kind of have, like, two pairs yeah, and Invasion and, and Puppet Masters are very similar, and they both have Sutherland. And then Shivers and Slither are, you know, very similar as well. That's true. You know, uh, one's a little less, little less rapey, but <laughs> but still kind of rapey. I mean, not even 
you know, but that's what I'm talking about with Shivers last week, where Shivers there's no metaphor, but here it's well it's, with James Gunn, you're never gonna be fully non-rapey. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, I did, I did that. Yeah, compared to Shivers, like it, it handles that stuff far better, um, and still manages to touch on it in a in a way. So, um, yeah, good scores all around. We had too many themes and didn't even notice it. That's great. Um, but that's gonna lead us right into. Uh, the end of a simulation August. Ba, ba, da, ba, ba, ba. But real quick, before the end of a simulation August, we have our award ceremony for uh, excellence in massacres. We have the yeah. four categories, so we'll all be familiar. Again, we have the best kill, we have best performance, there is best effect. And then best massacre. So we're gonna go through all of these and st- start this one. With can best we kill. can we tack on? Can we tack on best assimilation because I think some assimilation is a little different than kill, and there's like good assimilation moments in all these. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Instead of best massacre, it's best assimilation. I mean, one of okay. these movies yeah, did have a sense. massacre. Yeah, um, I like it replacing massacre this month. That's good. Okay. So we'll do we'll do best assimilation instead. Uh, doesn't change my answer for that one, so no problem. Great. Uh, we're gonna stick with uh, number one, best kill, and we will start with Greg. Greg, do you have any idea on the best kill of the month? Um, yeah, of course. The best kill is our co-host kill. But if you're if you want me to pick another one, um... fucking brown noser. <laughs> But yeah, I do agree. We I, also said we talked about it earlier and we didn't, but um, I will talk about it here because it's my pick. But the best kill is Brenda in in Slither. Uh, it, it's the one that I, I can't stop thinking about it, honestly. It, it's when I first saw this, too, that really fucking shook me. Um, and I remember it really, really well uh, because it's so disturbing that, like, Grant did that to somebody. Just the fact that, like, the pain she must be in, and but all she can talk about is how hungry she is. Right. Yeah, it's it's this disgusting. Yeah, it's that she talks about how hungry you can't imagine the hunger, mm-hmm. and then she she starts splitting. Yes, like it's not Slowly. a very quick like you see bursting it going, like, process. Yeah. It is you see things inside her moving around, and then you see like it it ripping open, and it's yeah, it's frightening. When she her line too, her line is like weirdly nonchalantly disturbing, where she just says, "I can, I can feel these little fuckers ripping me apart." It feels like she should be saying it more intensely, but the way, something about the way she says it really gets under my skin too. You feel the sadness, yeah, that that she delivers with it, yeah. Easily, that to me is the best kill for this month. That's that's my pick for um, for best kill for the Massies. Kill? Do you have any? I to- I agree. That is the best one. It's disgusting, the practical effects and the other effects, CG stuff. It's just so gross, and it really is over the top. I liked um, Grant Grant, Parasite Grant Grant's explosion at the end. That was fun, too. That would probably be the second one. But, yeah, I think Brenda's tops it because it's just disturbing. Uh, I I agree. I think that's a really good one. I have to go uh, as well, uh, you know, in Slither as well. But the the random hunter guy that Grant Grant turns into a hot dog bun, it's just yeah. it's so quick, and it it uh, it doesn't just you know happen automatically. It, it has that slow kind of red line appearing, and then everything opens up and pours out of him. 
Yeah, it's so unexpected to the first time we see it. Right. It's it's glorious gore, and it's it's fantastic. I love it. So uh, we're going to go to best performance. Does anyone have anything that stands out? I really liked um, What's-Her-Face in uh, in that one movie. <laughs> uh, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I want to say Karen. Uh, Brooke Adams, know. right? Yes, Brooke Adams. I really liked her in that movie. I thought she was cute and fun, but also scared. And yeah, she absolutely. She, she's so good. I, we didn't even talk about it in that episode, but she does that eye thing, too, which is a, a cool talent she yeah. has. Yeah, she's awesome in that movie. It's a really good pick. Uh, I mean, for me, it, again, as well as Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I'd have to go with Veronica Cartwright. I think she's just amazing throughout the movie. She she sells that kind of um, scared, lost kind of you know deer in headlights, and then her la- the last scene where she's screaming is just it's really impactful. Yeah, goddamn. I mean, you could give it to most of the cast in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don't give it to that glove. Nimoy's half-glove. Oh, man. Um, No, I think I'm going to have to go right back to Slither and say Michael Rooker, uh, because he got me to, like, to just think about the parasite and the assimilator and that one, have empathy for it. And I think that uh, he does manage to do that with with Henry in Portuguese. He's so good at that, at taking these things that were, it's like, how can you possibly find a way to relate to that or a way to like, look at that in a way to like have feelings for it. But Michael Rooker is just that good. And so I have to say Grant Grant in, uh, yeah. in Slither. Even in uh, Merle and walk in the walking dead. Yeah. But Merle's a great example. He starts out as the most unlikable character, right? Horrible mm-hmm. person. Like, but there, he's still able to like show depth to the character and that there is something to it, that they're not just a bad guy, but there are reasons behind anything that they do. Yeah. Fantastic choice. Three, three great choices, honestly. Uh, We're going to move on to best effect, which there's a lot to go for all of these movies. I think Um, I'm going to go right at the bat and say uh, invasion of the body snatchers, Uh, that garden scene where the pods are like, spitting out and birthing the assimilated um, uh, characters in the house. Like there's just nothing like that. The screeching. I think we talked about like the weird pig squeals they give and like the, the sliminess of them being like pushed out. Uh, yeah. Nothing tops that for me. That's fantastic. And it ends with um, another contender for best kill that I considered, uh, but uh, it ends with Donald Sutherland caving his own face in with the golf club. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Yeah. That's my pick. That's my favorite as well. That's what I was going to pick. I like the practical effects in that. And the sounds. Yeah. They they used yeah. nice sounds. Like the aliens were ultrasound and then the pigs. It really was pig squealing. I thought so, yeah. All the sound design in that movie is great. Especially, Never. like, I I think we mentioned it, yeah, that it's very quiet over the credits. And it's just it, it's Yeah, so there's no somber. sound at all. It's somber, right? My best effect, I have to go, again, back to Slither and give it to the Grant Grant design, especially when right before my best kill, when he like, he hot dogs, the guy like that just creature design is horrific. And I like cannot pull my eyes away from it, especially just the, again, the giant half smile just draws the eyes. Like you cannot not look at it. Changing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's it's absolutely amazing, and I think that it's as a practical effect. It's makeup that they're doing that 
he's getting in that every single day to shoot that scene. And it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Hey, factor that too into my, my pick for him for actor. Cause yeah. Again, like even through all the makeup, he shows like lots of emoting and you, you feel sympathy for sympathy for the devil basically. So, <laughs> and to wrap it up, we're going to focus on the best assimilation of the month. So which, not necessarily succeeded, but what one did you think, did you enjoy? Maybe uh, which assimilation world you would prefer to live in. Ooh, that's good. I like that. I would prefer, I, I liked Invasion of the Body Snatchers because it was done quietly, quickly and quietly. And I think that it would be the most successful out of Yeah, you just sleep through it them. and you may not even feel anything, yeah. right? And it's pretty much, I think, already a done deal. I, I, I don't think there's any way at this point that Earth could escape that in that movie anyway. But I feel like the other, all the other movies. Like it's, it's pretty, it's. It could be yeah. stopped in some way. And they're way. a lot more horrific than, I mean, it is horrific in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it, it seems like at least they, they claim um, when they're like trying to convince Donald Sutherland to get assimilated, it seems like they have some... That it's painless? That it's painless, or they have some compassion for how their hosts feel, a little bit, at the very least. Like, it, you know, who can really say? But um, if you're a dang freak, you could <laughs> live in the Shivers world. But, I mean, yeah, it seems like the obvious one to pick is uh, Vision of the Body Snatchers. But I think for mine, I'm going to have to, again, say Shivers because... Or not Shivers, sorry, Slither. I'm not saying Shivers. I am saying Slither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't take it back, Greg. <laughs> I am saying Slither because the, 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 the slug learns that it's alone and lonely, and I just want to give it a big hug and melt into its big gooey body. That makes sense for everything I know about you, Yeah, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of going back to what I was saying about uh, in our episode, I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers is, is probably the most preferable world compared to this timeline. Like, had we been taken over, probably no 9-11, no Trump, yeah. no COVID fighting, all this mask mandate bullshit. Just a lot of botany, a lot of planting flowers. And I'm fine with that, you know? I, I get that I probably wouldn't be as an emotional... Probably treat the planet a little bit better if we're playing. You know what's people. interesting, though, about... So, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they, they kind of absorb, like, the human's personality, but that's only for the beginning portion when they're assimilating the world, right? They don't need human personalities or to talk to each other after they've got us, right? Yeah, what would we do once we assimilate the planet? What do we do? We just uh, sit around and yeah, they just they just keep. Propagating. I'd hate to think they like, just came here so that they could participate in capitalism for the rest of their lives. You know, that's yeah. I, you know, I, hopefully that they would start battling that. That would be the next thing. Like you know, we've we've conquered the world. Now we can uh, disassemble this capitalist regime. Give everybody <laughs> health care. Yeah, a new new world society. Uh, Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is the top body snatcher. It's it's the new talking point on Fox News. Liberals want to duplicate you into plant people. Find out tonight at 8. Better world, though. You're right. Well, I think that's it for Assimilation August. So, okay, bye. Wait, 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 Kill. Wait, we have one more thing we're going to announce next month. We have to talk about because it's super important. Because he is coming. He is risen, folks, and we're not talking about 
you know, the what you normally think of when you hear that. We're we're talking about our good old pal Jesus Christo. No, 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 no. Lucy, Beelzebub, mm-hmm. the black one for September. Uh, okay, so yes, yeah, so our next month is September. Uh, all of September, where you're looking at uh, movies featuring Satan or Satan worshippers or. Maybe Satan himself will make an appearance in some movies. We'll see. If we're so lucky, we'll get we'll get a couple appearances by the man himself. But people also might be looking at the calendars and thinking, hey, there's five Wednesdays in September. Well, we're going to have a bonus movie for you guys at the end of the month. Uh, we're very excited for that. So not four Satan movies, but five Satan movies coming at you. Um, very, very excited to kick this off. And uh, we are going to kick it off with my first pick, which is going to be... Uh, we're, we're starting at the beginning of Satan movies and doing... Um, a real early one from the 1920s, the silent pseudo-documentary Haxen, a Danish film, um, chronicling quote-unquote real-life Satanists and cults and witchcraft. Uh, very excited for us to watch this. Uh, it should be very interesting. Yeah. It'll give us the proper context we need for the rest of September. And as you were saying, this is a Criterion collection. Oh, yeah. So we're getting real classy with it first right off the bat. Yeah. Satan's a classy guy, so. I agree. I agree. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. Uh, you can email us at the weekly podcast massacre at gmail.com. You can also get us on Twitter and Instagram, both at weekly massacre. I have been your host for this evening. I am Michael Murphy in Portland, Oregon. With me, I'm Greg in Los Angeles. I'm Kel. Thank you for listening.